You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reporting as Eligible. Sorry about the singing. Um, the Packers have just defeated the Buccaneers in a, a 14-12 game. That We'll talk about how we feel about it. Not awe-inspiring, but at least they won. Um, we have the Patriots coming up next week. They, get, they gave us the Brady-Belichick duo back-to-back. And uh, to, to help me uh, walk through this and analyze this game, um, first in urban Wauwatosa, watching the Brewer season slowly come to an end, we have... <laughs> Yes, the end is nigh. Uh, this is J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, probably still clinging to the last uh, last little shreds of hope here, all the while maybe maybe being ready for the end at the same time. It's yeah, exhausting. This season's really been kind of a trial. So uh, I do feel like they're going to drag this out. Uh, I feel like they're going to like lose trickling sort of over the next week but still kind of hang around where like it'll be like the whole time like if they could just win three in a row oh if they could just win two in a row and then it'll be over so it's gonna be annoying it's gonna this suck. is just a normal baseball season for a team that is middle middle ground like the brewers are yeah I mean, that's even, true even like right. 2017 where they finished i want to say a game ultimately out of a playoff spot like nobody nobody thought they were going to the playoffs and you know well, they they were eliminated like the day the penultimate day of the season it's just it, no matter no matter how mediocre you are you tend to not get eliminated until mid-september yeah that is very very true um so matt uh texted us saying quote unquote i was up all night literally hacking into a cheese tower uh so he's not with us and in filling in for him we have our our normal matt sub (laughs) hey this is tyler brook uh acme packing company writer football coach Right, writer of book. Writer uh, book. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if I was on a fantasy football team, I'd be a great flex piece at this point. So absolutely, um, waiver in. wire tomorrow, or Wednesday. Fit in a lot of different spots. Yeah, yep. yeah. Fill me uh, top on your waiver wire list right now, Tyler Brook. Tyler Brook, writer of book. Yes, writer of book. Ooh, that's a t-shirt. Like that. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so I, I do. I want to start positive, partially because I don't want to. I want to like be reflexive on how the brewers are what they're doing to me right now but also like i feel like i came out of this game with a lot of negative things but they won and and they 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 got the win there wasn't like tom brady bs too bad like there often is and like a lot of the team looked good it's just that there were specific parts of it so so uh, like let's focus on the positive to start um like can i I start with a can i start with positive start positive i think we broke the florida curse that's a good call um, I'm I'm not entirely sure there is a Florida curse for real, but um, if there was, it's dead now. I mean, if there we gonna... talked about it when I was on here last, 
we did. Uh, maybe Jarrah wasn't around for that, but um, no, I was. Oh, you let were? me tell you, I don't think the Florida curse is broken at all because there are still well. For for one thing, many of the games that I attribute to the Florida curse were were in fact victories. The uh, the game against the Miami Dolphins where it took a last second drive that was a bad Dolphins team. Mm. There was a game against Jacksonville that required a goal line stand essentially. You know, there there's also losses in there too. But yeah, this is this just felt like another Florida game to me. All albeit mine was the Irving Spikes one. game that they did in fact lose. Okay, so you basically the Florida curse is an, an unbreakable curse. Like hmm. the the Red oh, Sox yeah. the Red Sox broke their curse by winning a World Series, which is also stupid because you don't break a curse by doing the thing the curse prevents you from doing. Then that's not a curse, but. So, so, but you you just think that this is just like another example of oh you won fourteen twelve but maybe that's not curse breaking it's just yeah, yeah no that I mean it's a good win no no doubt about it but I, I do not give this curse breaking status they got to win a Super Bowl in Florida before it's over <laughs> a Super Bowl in Florida seems that's like right. it's all high order. standards here I mean Florida's about to also be destroyed this might not be a problem much longer Ooh. so yeah there is that Ian. tough tough scene it is uh, hopefully it's not too bad but it doesn't look great. Um, okay, well, okay. Besides the curse maybe being broken, maybe not. Um, R- Romeo Dob- Dobbs looked really good. That's a good thing. Um, they have a receiver who can actually do stuff down the field for the first time since Devontae left. Um, the Raiders could probably use that, actually, because... Oof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was great. It was like preseason got turned into regular season. I feel like usually the receivers kind of do, you know, they get buried for a long time and you don't see them, but this looked just a continuation. I think, I think we'd be really confident that he is good at this point, right? Like he's just a good player. What excites me is that uh, they haven't really used what he's best at, which is stretching the field vertically and winning on these like kind of contested slot fades and things like that. Um, so he's, I don't even think he scratched the surface of what he can be in this offense. Yeah. I'm with you on that. They've, they use him for those in breakers all the time, but he ran a ton of just like nine balls at, at, uh, at Nevada. Right. Am I remembering yep. correctly? Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, they got to bust that out when they need it sometime. Uh, keep waiting for it to happen. So, um, all, all good there. David Bakhtiari didn't die mid game. That's good. Right. He, he actually, first of all, he played. There's a curse that's broken. <laughs> David Bakhtiari actually played a game of football and made it all the way through. Um, we didn't have, like, after the game, his knees are screwed up or anything. So this looks promising. Um, all good there. And uh, the defense looked really good, I, I would say, uh, kind of across the board. The only time they really let up uh, any points was playing a really stupid prevent with three minutes to go. And other than that, they did a really nice job on, well, I guess the Tampa weapons are a contributing factor but you know good defenses shut down offenses that are missing people and that was the case here and they did it so um good oh and, and the last one of course we should mention special teams again did not screw up <laughs> Woo! i don't know that we need to talk yeah. about it too much but they keep not screwing up and you know there were some there were some packer-esque screw-ups across the league we have we have the butt punt to go at the butt fumble now and you know last year we definitely would have been the butt punting team and now we're not so <laughs> Actually, I do want to talk a little special teams really quick. All right. How awesome is it to have gunners on punt that are it's really, really good? good. Uh, it, it makes the gunners from last year look so much worse too. But like R- Rudy Ford and uh, and Keyshawn Nixon are really good at that. They're outstanding. It's so weird. I believe we're calling them flyers now per Rich Passaccia. Is that right? Flyers on the Wii fence. Yes, that is. Yes, flyers on the Wii fence, which I'm actually okay with. I mean, it's uh, I don't I, I like the term gunner is pretty, so, pretty cool, too. Yeah, five years from now, I'm definitely using it for my fantasy football team name, but uh, <laughs> it, it needs to age a little bit, I think. Sure. 
I like it. Nixon Ford punt administration. Let's go. <laughs> also good. I was looking I, for Fords desperately when I noticed the Nixon playing, and then there was one right there. It was great. Uh, the best part of seeing Romeo Dobbs play as well as he did and the offense hum along as well as it did for at least the first three drives uh, was the fact that they came in with with hardly any receivers, you know, Sammy Watkins, surprisingly, well, okay, not, <laughs> not surprisingly in the big picture, maybe surprisingly in the short term picture, because there was no indication up until late in the week that he was going to be sidelined, really sidelined. And then, oh, yeah. by the way, he's on the IR. So they're down a veteran receiver. Then Christian Watson ends up being one of the inactives on game day. So suddenly you have Romeo Dobbs, you know, Cobb Lazard, Jawan Winfrey, Amari Rogers, I guess. Like you don't have a lot of <laughs> options, so you needed you needed a guy like Romeo Dobbs to actually, I mean, to really, really contribute. Yeah. And even though I feel like they didn't take a lot of shots, they they did a lot of things just sort of in rhythm and on time, and uh, that was probably the best way to do it against. Uh, well, I don't know. I would have I would have personally taken more shots if I were a, I were an NFL quarterback, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they managed to get things rolling along, and it, it gummed right up after that th- after that fumbled the end zone. But uh, but at least you saw the promise of what this offense could be. Yeah, I'm I'm also quietly encouraged by the Lazard game. It, it was not oh, yeah. it wasn't great, but I do think that knee is still bugging him a little bit, and um, just him being able to fight off guys get like he's not even getting great separation, and he's had hands problems on contested catches a little bit in the past, not at all this year. Um, he was late last year a, a huge red zone weapon. Um, basically just bodying guys out and th- like that was always Devonte's role it's nice that they sort of have that role filled when they get close no matter what uh, and he did convert first downs on I think all of his catches so the Lazard at least first down magic is still there I think he'll get better and be able to you know fill some of that deep role um, going on too as he starts to recover and then Cobb looked like he was on steroids frankly like I, I- what got into that guy? <laughs> they built a time machine, and it's actually the 2014 <laughs> version of Randall Cobb out there right now because that was he was explosive. He was explosive. He he just smoked Devin White uh, on an out, and then I don't so even know cool. what to call it. <laughs> uh, it look, even even his helmet looked shinier. There was something about the Florida sun, maybe there. He just looked so good. He looked so young. But uh, I don't I don't know if I believe that that's going to last for long. You know, many more games. I think they need Christian Watson back. Yeah, agreed. I think that I feel like Cobb does this like twice a year, and we're like, where did that come from? And then he like doesn't get a catch for three games in a row. But. Hey, the blemishes aside, the fact that the offense scored some points and drove down the field against probably the most talented defense in the league has to be exciting while it's still trying to figure its shit out, right? Like trying to change the offense with Devontae leaving is not going to be an overnight process, especially when guys are coming in and out of the lineup. So that's something to look forward to. I think, I think Packers fans should be optimistic because now they've got four like really easy games to figure stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. This should be a good sort of preseason part two to, to get <laughs> chemistry yeah. figured out and try guys on things. And um, it, it'll look good. You know, it, it, I was looking at the bear schedule today just because, you know, they're, they're two and one and tied in first place. And I, I was trying to figure out how good they could possibly be. There's like a chance they're like seven and four going into the end of the season where they all their hard games are at the end like they, they just have a run of hard games everything else is terrible before then uh and that's i mean the packers have basically the same schedule they just get the easy part right now um and this is the time to you know run watson deep when he gets back on there run dobbs deep a couple times futz around with stuff that you think might work and get it all figured out because you got some room for error now hooray for yep. that 
do you guys think David Bakhtiari did play well? If you know, did the all 22 tell the story that he was he held his own there in the sort of rotational opportunities that he had? Everything looked really good. His anchor looked surprisingly good for a guy that hasn't played a lot. The one thing I noticed, and I'm surprised Tampa didn't work it more, was they did run one side rush move on him, and he's quite a bit on it. I'm assuming that's like a lateral agility thing, getting used yep. to you know, playing laterally. Um, but that's to be expected. And, you know, I would say his debut looked a heck of a lot better than Elton's last week. Um, so, yeah, yep. it's he kind of looks like himself. Yep. So the same lateral problem. And uh, I, I it was very encouraging, though. So that was fine. And he was he was like not missing a step in terms of his his responsibilities and like calling out other guys for missing theirs. So that's yeah. nice to see, too. Um, yeah. As long as his knee holds up and rehab's fine and he recovers, I think he'll be fine going forward. I I totally, you know, like everyone else, would look forward to the day when Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are 100% healthy. I, I also am a little, like, I just can't even in my mind imagine Yash Nyman going back to the bench after everything that he has given this offensive line and as much as he's improved to once again, be in a reserve role. Uh, it feels, <laughs> it feels wrong, man. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like that's, that's how the world should work for that guy. Yeah. Did you guys see the comments from Bakhtiari about Yash after the game? Oh, I, did I did not. not. I missed that. Uh, well, he was talking about how weird that situation was. Cause he even, he admitted trading series was weird, but he talked about just like how good of a sport Yash was and how supportive he's been through all of his rehab. Like he spoke glowingly of the guy that basically, at his job for over a year and it was uh, it was really nice that's nice to hear but you are right like they're gonna have to have an awkward conversation with somebody because their best five offensive linemen includes yash on the field and i'm sure elton jenkins doesn't want to necessarily go back to playing guard or center because um you know with contract negotiations for him coming up it's better to be paid as a tackle than as a guard um but it's tricky so i do wonder how they'll balance this if they'll do more rotations or keep snap counts going but uh i i agree with you it's hard to see yash going back it's too bad yash can't play inside but he really can't he's just not that kind of guy um but alas what are you gonna do and then the defense uh really obviously rose to the occasion they only allowed one touchdown they allowed 12 points uh pretty sweet stuff made the play of the game devondre campbell getting a hand on the two-point conversion that could have tied <laughs> the game uh it seemed like I mean, to me, to the naked eye, sure seemed like the defense played about as, you know, about as well as you could be expected. I think Tampa Bay's, I mean, Tampa Bay's two turnovers were really careless. Packers made plays, but they, they seemed they, they seemed like uncharacteristically careless things. I that, think that's uh, fair, yeah. Um, that enabled uh, enabled Tampa to, to obviously, yep. to, or enabled Green Bay to... To keep them off the scoreboard, but I don't know. You, you, the defense, the defense has to be committed. I imagine. Yep. I think the only real blemish on the defense was p- partially that that bit of prevent at the end. But actually, Quay took a little bit of a step back from last week, where he yeah. looked explosive and good, but did not get home on a blitz. And um, on that last drive for Tampa, they ran the same uh, sort of play, the same leak out route to Leonard Fournette twice within four plays. That's Quay's guy, and he got lost on both of them. One, there was mass confusion on the whole defense. Uh, Adrian Amos was running on late. Um, I don't know why that happened. But the second time, Walker just was not in the right place, and they had a wide-open, huge conversion both times. So um, I don't know what the deal was with him. I mean, he's a rookie. It happens. What are you going to do? But other than that, like they were kind of solid top to bottom. Like Kenny Clark got good penetration. They got, I would say, 
they got consistent good pressure on Brady without blitzing. They did not always get to him, but they sped him up enough that um, he really did struggle without his normal receiving core there. And then they just did not have the horses to compete with Razul or Stokes um, or Jair while he was in the game. And uh, Stokes was especially good in this game. Uh, he was blanketing guys and basically no, never targeted. He was, I think he was targeted one time uh, the whole game. And that's really good to see after his first game where he was kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah. Is it me or does Stokes seem way more physical this year? I know he's like a pretty small, like very skinny guy, but he's he's laid a couple nice hits already. He had a one monster tackle last week that yeah. caught my eye, and he did seem to be fighting through it a little better this week. I think actually the, the tackling criticism on the defense maybe did some good. Uh, I feel like they yeah. were more physical kind of across the board at bringing guys down and fighting through things. Like I, I don't think Devondre Campbell had an outstanding game, but he did slip under blocks a couple times where I think he would have gotten like pancaked out of the play last week and actually bring guys down. So I, I did. I thought they were much more physical generally, and that was nice to see. I also did like Rezul Douglas um, just randomly punching the ball out after the play was over a couple times. Um, mostly, I want to... Just really quick to expound on this a little bit. They did it at least twice where a receiver went down uh, untouched and held the ball up. And he was like careful to halo, not touch the guy and just punch the ball out. And I like it because it was definitely very scientific of like, okay, you're not down until I touch you. So I will just like tap the ball out and get it away from you. That doesn't work. If you're down and the ball gets hit, you're down. So that's not right. It's not correct, but I like the thinking about it. I like, like, <laughs> I like, I like that yeah. he went through the process of, can I do this? You know, uh, th that's nice to see. It was cool. I it can't was, believe oh, it, go made me, it made me laugh quite a it bit. It was, it was funny. If he is else. one of those guys. It's like, if anyone's going to do it, of course it was Rasul. Yep. I can't believe uh, your evaluation, Tyler, that we talked about before we started podcasting about Kayshawn Nixon was just meh. When you were looking at the all 22, because Kayshawn Nixon on my screen sure seemed to be everywhere. Jair Alexander goes out early in this game, which would normally be a major, major issue. Um, granted, Tampa Bay was missing every one of its three <laughs> best receivers, so it certainly wasn't as big an issue, maybe. And uh, Nixon comes up with a huge pass breakup in the end zone at one point, forces a turnover. Uh, made it made a pretty good tackle from behind. He might have, I think he actually got beat on that play. I think it was uh, Gage, or I don't remember which receiver it was, but uh, made a nice tackle from behind on what would have been an otherwise huge gain. So uh, in addition to what he does on special teams, I mean, he and he and like everybody, everybody's playing on special teams. So it's 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 hard to even isolate which guys are special teamers and which guys aren't because I feel like every starter is on at least one of the teams at this point. Uh, but uh, it seemed like he had a really really special game. But I guess I guess there's still a learning curve there too. So he absolutely deserves credit for doing a great job clicking and closing. So, you know, he's backpedaling. He sees the throws coming. He sees where the guy is. He flies downhill and makes a hit. Um, where he was struggling was just coverage in general. If you see down the field, he's letting guys open pretty easily. Um, and him and Quay Walker had a lot of miscommunications where running backs were leaking open or there were some moments where it appears they're in man coverage and then Nixon just thinks him and Walker are going to trade off concepts. And neither guy picks up or neither of them pick up a guy and he's wide open. So uh, that those are the parts where it's hard to tell who is at fault there. Um, so, you know, defenses do weird coverage stuff. So um, I'm just going to say that that might have been Nixon because he's out there and not used to it. But again, you know, he's working with a rookie there. So yeah. hard to tell. I'm also surprised that Leonard Fournette did not beat this team. Yeah. For, uh, for yes. As solid as they I think that was maybe like the best takeaway from this defense is 
Um, whatever happened with David Montgomery last week, you know, fundamentally in that Bear game, it didn't matter. Like the, the Bears weren't going to win by running David Montgomery, no matter how good he was. Um, but it did worry us all that Fournette was going to just go crazy in this game and that maybe this is the same old Packer run defense. That was definitely not the case. They did a great job bottling him up. He did not, uh, at least not through the running game, do any serious damage. And I, now I'm, I'm much more positive going forward that they're not going to get just gashed by random teams that decide to run against them. It was great. Did you see the stat that the Bears had like 110 rushing yards on a single drive? Yes, I did, because Archon That's, put it together. Yeah. Uh, Archon is the the king of like, if you exclude this, it wasn't too bad, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. But in this case, I do think it makes some sense. Like uh, the Packers definitely didn't care too much about whatever the Bears were doing in that game. I mean, it would have been nicer to just shut down the run because they couldn't pass. But again, who cares? Also, Khalil Herbert might be really good. Also, yep, I think worth, he's good. He was noting. really good at Virginia Tech, and just no one was talking about him because yep. I think he's just not an athletic monster. But he's really dang good. He is. Don't trade up for third round running backs. Wait till the sixth round. They're just as good. Yep. When are we gonna take the heel turn and start talking about what wasn't good about this game? Uh, now. Um, Let's do sure. it. What, should Let's we, do it. The, should we do the prevent or how how much Aaron was? Can you crap? can you go off about the prevent because your Twitter thread on yeah. it was excellent, especially with three minutes left. Uh. Yeah, so the f- first thing I wanted to make sure that they were actually in prevent because it's also possible that we just assume they're in prevent because Tom Brady gets hot for a series. And I could I, I went and actually I'm writing on this right now. The Packers played prevent. They were giving uh, outside receivers like ten to fifteen yard cushions, especially for the first part of that drive. So uh, here's the thing about the prevent and. You should never play the prevent unless there's like un- well under a minute to go and the other team's out of timeouts. It's the only way you ever run out of time. Um, the, pre- the prevent is premised on the idea that you can allow the offense to make completions, not but you know, not getting out of bounds. That they'll uh, you know take twenty seconds to play or whatever, and they'll eventually run out of time and not score. Um, that that just never happens, especially when the Buccaneers in this case had like over like three minutes at the start of this drive. And aside from that, um, the prevent is also premised on sort of stopping the bomb from happening. You know, the big, huge 50-yard touchdown. Um, but it lets all these fairly big plays, you know, nickel and dime you down the field. And what tends to happen when you run prevent is you get into a situation where the other team has like three or four plays to punch it in at the end. And if they do, you lose. Um, it's actually better in almost all scenarios to risk giving up the bomb and maybe force a three and out or you know a four and out in this situation which ends the game because if they're going to score either let's just assume the scenario is they're going to score they're either going to score by you know nickel and diving down the field not even that hitting 10 15 yard gains down the field um and then score very near the end of the game and you're out of time or they score right away and you still have you know two minutes to respond on offense you want that so everything goes for conventional defense. You want to play to stop them from picking up a first down. And if you you want to take the risk of, well, maybe you get burned, but then you get to respond on offense. And um, that's the better way to go. So the prevent should really be re- really only used if you're up by two scores or if there's very little time left. And the Packers proved it here because Tampa took over for their last drive with just over three minutes to go. And if you were hoping they would run out of time, you're stupid. They ran a 14 play drive <laughs> in 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 those three minutes. They had so much time left at the end that they ran a running play to Fournette without any fear of running out of time, and it got stuffed. And um, still had 14 seconds left after all of that too. So 
the prevent's stupid. If like everybody should understand this by now, it it you know we see big come- comebacks against all. I don't know where the idea that it's good even came from. It, it it's never worked well ever. <laughs> it, it's uh it's ridiculous. Get rid of it. It's dumb. Did you guys watch Arrested Development back in the day? Uh, we have established Jared did not because he doesn't oh. know who David Cross is. I did. Yeah, that. I'm not a not a comedy guy. Unfortunately, <laughs> I love it, I love laughing, just not comedy for some reason. It's that scene. It's like, well, did it work for us? It's like, oh no, we just delude ourselves into thinking <laughs> it'll work, but it might right work for, for us. us. Oh, that's David Cross. I've seen that scene, that yes. snippet before. Yeah, that is David Cross. But it might work for us. I love it. Uh, you know what else was bad in this game? Um, Aaron Charles Rogers. He, he was. He was bad. not great. He was bad. He's been bad more often than good, I would say. Um, so he was good early. Um, it, the Bucks brought a lot of pressure early. Uh, I don't know why they were doing that. <laughs> They've played this game before. They should know better. Um, after, First of all, if Aaron Jones doesn't fumble, this game's probably quite a bit different. Like They just bury Tampa. Tampa has to scramble to catch up. And the Packers go super conservative, and we don't even notice Aaron's bad. But since they didn't score there... Um, Tampa, after that Jones fumble, changed their defense. They sat back in the Aaron kryptonite, the, the too deep shell, um, and he couldn't do anything with it and seemed to get kind of dumber as the game went on. That that interception that he threw was one of the worst Aaron throws I've ever seen. I don't know what he was looking at. I don't know why he threw it. Um, it was like watching a much, much, much worse quarterback play football, oddly. And to make matters worse, like, um, Aaron's attempted air yards right now is 5.1. Uh, that is, oh man, that is the worst in the league by a full yard and a half. And, uh, last year, just, just for context last year, Jared Goff was the worst in, in the league with 6.6. Aaron's at 5.1. Now that'll probably get better. Um, when they get Watson and Dubs running more routes, but he's checking down all the time. If you're going to be checking down all the time, which he, you can't be throwing interceptions and fumbling all the time. Like the trade-off here is. If you're going to be conservative, at least don't turn it over. It, it, I would rather not be conservative, but you can't be doing both, and he's doing way too much of both. Um, and he just missed so many throws aside from that pick too. Um, on the free play, he missed like he didn't step into it to get it to Cobb. It, there were a lot of bad plays here. I, I, I'm, I would say my biggest worry defense. I'm, I'm happy about the defense. My biggest worry is Aaron's not all there. What was that free play drives me nuts because he stepped, he rolled out in a completely clean pocket. Yeah, he did. And did did like a fade away from pressure. Like it's, it's, I I don't like seeing that too, because I don't like any time a quarterback starts to see fake pressure. Uh, That is never a good sign. It's hard to recover from. And he seems to do it with some regularity. He had a couple of those fade away um, bombs in this game that, are not a good sign for your long-term quarterback health. Reminds me of my freshman quarterbacks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've been here before at times where Rogers has gone into a, a, a funk. I, I don't, I, I can't think of a specific example. I, I, I guess my thought is I would hope that he gains a ten, the, the sort of trust of the rookie receivers and is able to stick with them through the whole game, you know, going away from Dobbs after things were going so well, doesn't, it seems a little counterintuitive. And, and likewise, when Watson is healthy. Um, so, you know, may, maybe that's a big piece of the puzzle, but you know, we've kind of always been waiting for the shoe to drop that he would eventually decline. And, and not that you, you, you know, you would have thought that last year, the year before, and those were MVP seasons. So like, it, it's really hard to give up on the guy, but if, I don't know, three games into the season, like this could be, this could be it. It could be that we've, we're seeing 
the dawn of the decline. I maybe that's too pessimistic. I'm not sure. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> He'll be right. It. I mean, it's at least possible. Old, he's old. Old guys do start to go downhill at some point. Every, time comes for everybody, even Tom Brady. It will come for him eventually, and no, it won't. Maybe he is right now. Um, but it, the the trust thing is one thing. Like uh, he he, I think will get used to those guys and target them. I'm a little more worried just because he still seems to make some. He's making more bad reads than he used to too. Like. Th- th- throwing to Juwan Winfrey, not great. Uh, I know, um, Tyler, maybe it was even you uh, on Twitter. Was it you who had the interaction with Dusty about missing Aaron Jones? Mesh. Yeah, yeah on mesh. The mesh. Which, it, Dusty's explanation made sense, but also, like, I feel like old Aaron Jones would have seen both reads in his vision looking over that direction and diagnosed that he should throw to Jones, even if he's technically supposed to be the last read. Yeah. Um, so, that too. Um, there were there were a lot of yards left on the field where he really didn't have to be throwing it to covered people. I do I do want to give him one shout out though because Justice pointed it out at the time and rewatching it's one of the greatest plays I've seen him ever make. The Devin White play was it was the seven man pressure look where uh, they run a hard count and he sees you know that one of the linebackers like takes a step back so he changes the protection at the line. Um, to slide to the right, which looks like an insane call at the time because it looks like they're going to rush everyone. The entire left side vacates, and they have everyone covered. And it's not something like a casual football fan is going to appreciate, yeah. but that's like quarterback masterclass on changing your protection. Oh, that is not the one I was talking about, but that was very no. cool. Uh, uh, there was one where um, he just ran like basically an eye fake on Devin White, got him to break outside, and then threw it behind him. And Devin oh, White was, that one was Devin, nice, Devin yeah. White was audibly honked off that he got fooled. So <laughs> that one was well, great. And you also have to give the old man credit for seeing what's on the big big jumbotron, uh, because uh, <laughs> we are led to believe that he saw something that enabled them to set their defense a little better for the two point conversion, and. Uh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a believer in the in the whatever he saw. It certainly played into Devondre Campbell being in the right spot. I I, I still I, maybe you guys can help me. Like even if you see a play on a tablet, which I think is what everyone assumes is the case here, there's a lot of options in, in a play. You know, like I don't know if that tells you exactly what a quarterback is going to do. So I don't know how you can translate that into usable, you know, credible intel in such a short period of time. But if anybody could do it, it's probably that guy. So I'm uh, I'm I don't know maybe. Maybe it's a little more simplistic than I want to give it credit for, but I don't know. How, I don't know if I buy every aspect of that story. It certainly would make a great grace note if we could see what was on the jumbotron. We should we should mention first that he did essentially deny on Pat McAfee today that he saw the play on the jumbo or on the tablet. He said he saw something four plays earlier that he then gave to the defense. Um, so for what that's what Aaron said. Um, my of course rule with Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, don't listen to what Aaron Rodgers says. Pay attention to what Aaron Rodgers does. And it's like the book Animal Farm. There's always an extra layer, isn't there? <laughs> and and in a couple of months, Aaron will be reading that. I'm sure. Um, it's in his book club, baby. <laughs> but I, I oh, wait, 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 wait. He said 1984. I got 19- the wrong Orwell. Yeah, he's doing yeah. 1984 right now. So he's he's it. So he was at college uh, literature. He's now in high school. <laughs> Uh, Animal Farm, I do feel like is sort of the middle school, the high school bridge. So we'll have that soon, but he's not there yet. Um, oh yeah, he's going to Animal Farm, and then it's going to be To Kill a Mockingbird. And I'm I'm trying to rewind here in my high school English classes where where we went from there. Yeah, but I think he did see the play on the jumbotron for a couple reasons. One of which is 
in the moment, he basically said he saw something important, something four plays earlier. I don't. That doesn't seem like it would be worth mentioning on the broadcast at all. But the other reason is I've watched that play a bunch of times now, and uh, the Packers covered it perfectly. You couldn't cover it any better. Everybody, everybody out in a pattern is blanketed. They seem to know which way it was rolling. Um, it, it seemed like they knew what was being called. So I kind of buy it just for that reason too. And even if that ball gets over Campbell, there's a pretty good chance it falls incomplete. They have, uh, they've got that covered super well. I, I choose to believe that he went up and went, Hey guys, like Jumbotron says they have zero timeouts left. And like, Oh wow. Thanks Aaron. <laughs> could be that too. Could be that too. The genius. I, I posted to Twitter. I wanted wrong answers only for what Aaron saw in the Jumbotron that led them to, uh, to make the game winning play. And, my favorite response from someone was Giselle in the stands waving divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. Also, the uh, the tweet of the game was someone saying, oh, it's Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Loser has to call their family, which, uh, which I enjoyed very much. <laughs> that joke's bummed me out, man. That's just kind of sad. They are sad. But, yeah, yeah. You are right. They are sad. But also kind of funny. I mean, if you're going to play at an elite level into your 40s as an NFL quarterback, you pretty much have to sacrifice the rest of your life, I think. You're right. You are correct. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, did you guys see my guy Vita Via? Yeah. Living La Vita Via. Because he killed, he killed Aaron Jones in pass coverage. So, yes, I, I saw him very well. Yeah. I said this to you, Paul, but I have always had an alliterative crush on Jerry Judy as a player. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know why Vita Via wasn't my guy. Vita Via, not only does he have the alliterative, alliterative, alliterative perfection, dude's, dude's huge and dude's awesome. So, uh, Vita Via is my guy going forward. And, uh, if the, <laughs> the Buccaneers are scary, man, because the, between I mean, they've, they've got talent all over that defense, like, like Tyler certainly said. And then missing all those receivers like you've got to think if they played this team again those receivers would make a huge impact yeah. i don't and know donovan man I, I don't know if the packers can yep. replicate and this. donovan smith too yep uh, i agree with like if they played fully loaded i would give the bucks quite quite a significant edge in this game absolutely uh, i like vita vea too because i i feel like the bucks are sort of the anti-analytics defense team to a large extent they're good in the the valued positions of cornerback uh but edge rush is only okay for them but like they're they're off-ball linebackers and giant ass defensive interior linemen are not valued by analytics people typically but they clearly make the team way better so i like them just because i can always point to them as like well vita Vea is clearly awesome he obviously makes a huge difference in win expectancy as does levante david as does devin white like that those all matter quite a lot so go do your war calculation justice again Justice and I haven't talked about this, but he has to be furious that Logan Hall is on that defensive line now too. <laughs> a six-six monster of a human that's playing exceptionally well yep. as a rookie. Indeed, also had a good game. Losing Jair Alexander, I think, may have been a bigger deal before the rise of Roswell Douglas because now they have a guy who's capable of of taking a spot, I guess, to a degree. But how uh, how how worried are you? I know the injury isn't regarded as massive there's a good chance he plays next week or after that if not that i know the schedule light lightens up here but uh you know anytime one of your top five or six players goes down i guess there's there's some cause for alarm i think it's okay because they're scheduled and they can give him time and uh, two out of the three is really what they need if they're like you want to go into like the playoffs with all of them to be dominant but um this is fine that it doesn't hurt their defense it's funny to say like jerry who's like their best or second best defensive player doesn't hurt him that bad but for the next few weeks, it really doesn't. They'll be fine. Uh, speaking of their best defensive player, Kenny Clark 
revitalized a little bit in my opinion oh and my gosh. uh <laughs> he was a monster in that game and then uh adrian amos too so so guys who maybe didn't start out guns of blazing uh looking looking pretty good in this game very encouraging i feel like somebody got in adrian's ear a little bit um maybe pointing his pff grades out to him or something because he was definitely far better in this game it was <laughs> it was nice to see the safeties have been a worry they still are a little bit um savage still nah in my opinion but uh, Amos came to play. He was really, really good in run sport too. You could actually make the argument that Savage's pass coverage was awesome this week. So really, I, I have not watched him that closely. Did he? He, he, uh, he looked oh, pretty wow. good. On a, there were a couple of plays where I was like, he was sticking to guys. So um, when you think about this defense on paper, man, with guys now showing up, if you could just have a couple of these guys show up every week, um, that's what makes this defense. But yeah, another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, now the guy who's the weakest link maybe is a first-round rookie, which you can live with because, you know, he's just going to get better and has already flashed. Oh, man, did he flash in week one. Yep. That actually yeah. maybe is the best thing you can say about the defense. Like, their breakdowns really were Quay Walker and a guy who was playing as an injury replacement, and that that just happens, you know? It's not yep. it's not a huge deal. It's something you grow with, so that's fine. Yep. Do we have any assessment on Devontae Wyatt and what – I mean, <laughs> obviously he's not a key contributor at this point, but the other first-round pick – um, I, I don't I don't know if I've even heard his name very much. He had one play. I should, someone tweeted on all 22 where he got into Tom Brady's face really quickly. He did. That's all I've seen him in three weeks. Yep. Uh, he, he played sparingly. If you see just to put this out there, he had a good PFF grade this week. If you see that out there, you can kind of just ignore it. Um, he had, I think, five plays. He made one good play out of his five. And when you make one good play out of your five, just as a rate that will get you a pretty good grade. So he's he wasn't on the field enough to actually earn that, but it, one's better than zero, and we had zero coming into the game. So there's that at least. Okay, before we get to more on the Patriots, you you wrote here you didn't think Russell Gage actually scored. No, I'm gonna just this is my conspiracy theory. I have no way to prove it, but on the touchdown at the end of the game, the they did not show a replay of his touchdown, and the touchdown was a hard touchdown. He caught it and he got he took a pretty big hit. And went to the ground, and you could yeah, right. see the ball. Um, and they didn't show a replay before; they went right into like timeouts. There wasn't even a PAT, so like they had lots of time to agonize over this. Um, and we never got a good replay. I checked it out on all twenty-two to see if there's a better angle. There's not, um, and you can't see anything. But like, it seemed like the kind of play you'd want to look at from all your angles, and nobody did. So, uh, I, I mean. I, he may have caught it. It's possibly caught it, but I have a few like little screenshots where the ball might be on the ground there and might not be being controlled. So just, I don't like it when the network glosses over 
replays on on stuff like that. It bothers me. Um, it's probably nothing, but it it was something that caught my attention. So you gotta you gotta help your future commentator, man. Yeah, it was a Fox game, right? It, it was. was Fox, it was a Fox game. Can I just say this real quick? I actually am not looking forward to Burkhart with Brady because I actually like Greg Olson. I think he's pretty good. Huh. All right, I think he's fine. Um, I'd be fine if they dwelled less on how much he sweats. Like it's fine. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it every few minutes, but whatever. <laughs> It's a, it's a weird quirk. Yeah. Um. What about the you you also wrote about the Buccaneers whining about I wanted the play clock. I wanted to mention this because I saw Todd Bowles mention it too. And uh, as a, a rules person, uh, I can I should know less than the teams do. But uh, one thing that the Patriots were complaining about after the game, Buccaneers, it, the Buccaneers. Sorry, it's the Tom Brady problem. Yeah. Forever fine. a Patriots. Um. On the play where they were flagged for. Uh, uh, not getting the snap off on on the very crucial two point conversion, um, they claimed after the fact that the clock did not reset properly to 25 seconds as they were expecting it to, and the rule on this is that after a touchdown is scored and after the signal ceases for the touchdown, refs put their arms up, people celebrate. Ref puts their arms down. They start the 40 second clock ticking down. Um, when it gets to 20. Uh, if there's still nonsense going on, they pause it at 20 for people to get set and then start it again. And that is where the Buccaneers ran into problems because I think everybody expected when they were lining up for two to see 25 seconds and they only had 20. But that is, in fact, what happens after touchdowns are scored. Um, it, it is not a 25-second clock. So uh, they all, including their head coach, didn't know the rule properly. Um, I believe the pro football talk guys didn't know the rule properly. Mr. Florio, uh, I, I didn't. I only saw like one person explain it properly. That's correct. Like, Twenty seconds was correct for them to start putting the ball in play. Uh, Todd Bowles, with his press conference, being asked about the jumbotron showing uh, showing something, I just just agonizing situation for him to be in a, in a position where he has to answer for like game ops or whatever we call the or you know whatever we call the the organizing body of the jumbotron. But that uh, that's going to be something that sticks out for for Tampa fans all year long because they could these two teams could easily be battling for a one spot and now the Packers have that tiebreaker yep. and you I want, know I want Microsoft to make a commercial like just parroting how clear their tablets are like you can even you can even <laughs> pick up a football play on a jumbotron from like fifty feet away like. That's how good it is, and just have ticked off football guys on it. I didn't look to see how big that is relative to other stadiums. Granted, every stadium has a massive, massive video <laughs> screen at this point, but like that thing was eye catching on the broadcast. Like it is, it is clearly huge. Yes, I don't know if it's one of the biggest in the NFL, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. And uh, and right, you've got this. I just love that um, in a battle between two quarterbacks. Who are known for throwing tablets, one in gift form and one in more video form. It is great, it's, isn't it? It's going to be one holding a tablet and the other one gazing upon a video of him with the tablets that could have decided this football game. I just, I just love it. I the love t- art the tablet. Life. The tablet got revenge on Tom Brady. Yeah, it did. It's oh so man. Good. Oh, that's a great way to put it. I love it. I love it. The tablet wins this round. Uh, oh, I love it. Every stadium may have a giant jumbotron, but not every stadium has a giant pirate ship that shoots cannonballs. So. That is true. It's a good feature. More like more people should lean it's into awesome. their, their I love it. Yeah. People should lean into their mascots more than that. Not just stupid noises like the Viking horn. Like the Vikings should have a boat in their stadium. That they're Vikings. Like every, everybody needs more fun. It, it's a good it's a good addition. Nice job, Tampa. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay. 
let's roll into the Patriots. They don't have a quarterback. Well, no, they do. They do. But he goes by <laughs> he, he goes by a terrible, terrible name. Um, Brian Hoyer. That's the name he's gone by forever. But we we you, Paul, learned something extremely fascinating about Brian Hoyer on Tuesday as we record this that we have to share with the people. We do. We really do. Um, Brian Hoyer's real name, his real first name is not Brian. It's it's actually Axel. Brian Hoyer's real name is Axel Hoyer, which he could have been going by the whole time he's been in the NFL and in college um, and cho- just chose Brian instead, which is clearly wrong. Like we all know, <laughs> we all know quarterbacks are, are a big an important part of being a good quarterback is having a name that sounds good um like i like to call it the mitchell trubisky rule i think that that's a good good way to put it um but axel hoyer is a really good quarterback he's probably making millions of dollars and starting Two-time all pro yeah uh, brian hoyer is, is not he is brian hoyer um why would you like why would you do that that's so much better <laughs> I mean, Cooper Rush just won a game on Monday night Yep, through force of will of having one of the best quarterback names in the NFL. It's That's really the only great. reason they won. Cooper I'm Rush surprised Carson Strong hasn't stick, stuck around in an NFL team yet as a rookie. I mean, True. Some team's going to sign Carson Strong. I feel like that's a little on the nose, but you, you are right. I, I feel like if Carson Strong is good, then that name is amazing. Um, but if not, then it, it's it's not great. It is. He's, he, He's not good. He's horrible. Oh, he's horrible. He's absolutely horrible. Uh, yeah. yeah, we all agree. Scouting, statistics, everything you want on Carson Strong. Honestly, one of the reasons that I was higher on Romeo Dobbs than I otherwise would have been is because I quickly ascertained how bad Carson Strong was at quarterbacking. <laughs> yep. I am looking through a list of Hall of Fame quarterbacks to try to figure out if any of them indeed have bad names. Um, very few of them have bad names. You could quibble with Y.A. Tittle. A lot going on with that name. No, great name. Yeah, that's a great name. I, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, I mean, Jim Kelly is boring, but, I mean, like, most well, of yeah, these names boring. are incredible. Like, Nor- like Joe Montana is, I mean, legendary stuff. Mm. Norm Van Brocklin, clear. I mean, Sick that guy name. was born to be a Hall yep. of Famer. Troy Aikman's really good, and he shouldn't even be in the Hall of Fame, but it's a great name. Especially a right, Tex- John Elway, Texas same guy. way. Yeah. Uh, the only... <laughs> The only possibility, Sonny Jurgensen might be the only name, not not yeah. Hall of Fame name. I, to I, be a Hall of Fame I will also throw Terry Bradshaw in there. It's not a yeah, great. I it's, guess it's not a great name. Terry's not a great first name. Bradshaw is kind of blah last name. Uh, but again, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, so that's fine too. I don't understand why Colt McCoy isn't better. I mean, there's an action star. <laughs> He's only got 10, 10 quarterback wins. That doesn't make sense to me. Yep. Um, so Axel Hoyer will be taking on uh, the Green Bay Packers. Since he hasn't gone by the name Axel Hoyer, he's he's just not a threat. It's going to be uh, – I mean, the Packers are going to be really favored to win this game. <laughs> what, if, what if Bailey Zappi starts? Are we worried then? Um, I like – I I actually like Bailey Zapp um, quite a bit, except his arm's not good. He has a sub-Chad Pennington arm, so – He's very accurate. He was very good at Western Kentucky, but he his arm is just bad. So he's their he's their backup now. Jr. Bailey Zappy. Yeah, that's a name that I've never heard before. And it's just Zap. And... It's not Zappy. It's oh, too bad because if it was Zappy, oh, I thought like, it was Zappy. A, that's a, is that's it... a cartoon character, Bailey Zappy? I'm pretty sure. I thought it was Zappy. Is it really Zappy? Because I used to think it was Zap, and then they call, start calling him Zappy oh. in the draft. Jeez. Next. Okay, we have to. It's get... a. I think Bailey Zappy is an elite name. Yeah, I'm do... seeing Zappy. I've got that. I Trans- disagree. I I feel like Zap is way better, but okay. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds a little bit like uh like a like a kid's cartoon character. It does. Bailey Zappy. 
I won't be surprised if he plays though, because why why bother playing Brian Hoyer for any length of time? Figure out what you got. Yep. They do have somebody on the roster speaking of action heroes named Bourne, spelled like Jason Bourne. So I suppose we have to be a little concerned about that, right? Kendrick Bourne. Jesus Christ, that's Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne's really good. <laughs> That's so good. That was awesome. Tyler. Well done. Jesus Christ. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is amusing. Many, Sorry, many, continue. many, many teams have killed themselves trying to find Debo Samuel. Kendrick Bourne is actually the next closest thing to Debo Samuel. He's very, very good at creating yak with the ball in his hands. He does all the same stuff. He was number one in DVOA last year. Nobody knows it because the Patriots are terrible. But uh, he's actually a weapon, and he's actually okay. The receiving core is like a weird construction of of some skills that don't really go together that well. Um, but Kendrick Bourne's actually dangerous, and uh, if they put together a decent defensive performance, it could do some damage against the Packers. I think. Honestly, the, the don't Patriots, they have oh, don't ahead. they have the highest wide rec- I think they have the highest wide receiver cap hit in the NFL. Uh, is that because of Nikhil Harry or I didn't know that. Why? <laughs> I think they just, Oh, I, I maybe tight ends are lumped into it. I can't oh, remember this be. exactly. I I heard it on a uh, Ryan Rosillo was talking about the Patriots. Huh. Just talked about how expensive all of their wide receivers and tight ends are. They go through, absurd. they go through a lot of them. I'll, I'd wager there's a lot of dead money. We've just forgotten about there. So that makes some sense that they, they don't, they have not drafted well for quite some time. That's, uh, Bill Bill is good at certain things, but he's getting long in the tooth, and he's not as sharp as he used to be. And uh, their drafts are weird. They definitely could use yes. some. They could use some consensus people in the the front office. There, it's bizarre. There's going to be a lot of people that the average Packers fan has not heard of. Uh, Jacoby Myers might might be on that list. I'm not sure. Well, he's not like he, he's not good. It, it, everybody who plays fantasy knows him because he's a sure. PPR guy. But sure. Um, and I feel like the all, running backs. Yeah, the running backs are good. The running back, like their running game, is good. Their their offensive line is good. They have some parts that are good. Just, um, you know, not Hoyer and um, not really the receiving core. But if you get into a, like a defense run battle with the Patriots, they might actually be able to turn it into something. Their biggest problem was actually Mac Jones throwing interceptions. He had five picks before he went down, uh, and they turned it over a lot. Hoyer sucks. But sometimes, but yeah. Sometimes the backups know better than to, you know, do that. And if you have a regression by the Packer um, run defense, I don't think you will. But if you do, it could be closer than we think. It's possible. I doubt it, but maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I could see Axel Hoyer uh, putting together a conservative little game plan that involves mostly the run. Yeah. Although uh, the Packers showed out pretty good against the run, and uh, Jonathan Jones is the number one PFF corner, huh? He is, and he's actually good. For real, um, he's a he, he's a good player, and he's been consistently a good player. Um, I the the passing defense as a whole isn't great, but but they've got a few pieces that are actually decent. Hmm. Matthew Judon's probably one of my uh, the more fun outside linebackers to watch. He's a good one to yeah. watch. Also, fun, good That's name good too. Name. Yeah, good name. Good name. Yep. Yep. That's very important. <laughs> uh, should we get Should we get to the Patreon questions? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's Kendrick Bourne. Uh, um, all right. We uh, we moved to the questions portion. Got a lot of them again. And, uh, of course, people who are patrons, they get question priorities. So we start with Mark Putscarby. <laughs> Would you rather be the guy who got Mark Sanchez's face into the butt, their butt, or the guy who got a football punted into their butt? 
Um, I will take Mark Sanchez's face every day because NFL punters punt the ball incredibly hard. <laughs> that probably yeah. Oh, that sucks. yeah, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a while. Yeah, that probably hurt a lot. My only question is, my only question is the face mask. Like the face mask might hurt a little bit. There's not, there's uh, no give to it. That's but... true. That's true. Didn't he kind of turn but... his head though? Yeah, he's kind of turning his head yeah. to the side. It's more of a snuggle than <laughs> it is like Jared's a full fledged picture up. Yeah. It's more of a it's more of a snuggle than like a full fledged like face straight on. So that's nothing. That you know what was that to Brickershaw? No. I don't remember which guy that was, but like that guy was no worse for wear. He probably didn't even know what was happening. Yeah. On, on the other hand, the punt butt fumble or whatever, punt the I don't know what that's gonna end up being. The butt punt. Punt butt. Like that. Dude is still thinking about that right now as we speak because he is sitting on a couch wondering when he's going to be able to feel both cheeks again. Mm -hmm. I was worried it was going to make a second hole. (laughs) (laughs) God. Uh, Okay. Let's. uh, Is this. uh, I don't know who's got this next question. I think that's just Mark Mark part two. Yeah. Got it. Mark part two. How do you see the offensive line shaking out going forward this year and beyond? Does Jenkins accept a move to guard in a contract year? And if Jenkins is about to get paid like a tackle, is there a realistic path to bringing back both Jenkins and Nyman on long-term deals in the offseason with Bakhtiari already locked up? Hmm. It's tricky. Uh, I think Jenkins will not be happy if he moves to guard, but I think it's the smart move, as we already talked about. Um, but th- this is going to be a tough chemistry balance for the team. Uh, I'll... I'll be surprised if Nyman's back, um, partially because he's good but not great, and I think he maybe will end up costing more than he's actually uh, worth value-wise. But but I don't know. They got injuries to the knees on the other guys now, um, and, and uh, uh, it's hard. Like the best guy having the best guys out there is Jenkins on the interior right now, and uh, otherwise you're playing a substandard guy. But it's gonna. It's going to be tough to massage it, and I, I won't be surprised if they do a little bit more um, rotating they, or if they're just secretly hoping for reasons to keep guys fresh with injuries, but honestly don't know. Not sure what they're going to do here. My you... prediction... Oh. Talk to me, Tyler. Sorry. My prediction is Jenkins stays at right tackle, gets paid lots of money, Nyman gets released, uh, and they have an open competition for that third tackle between Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker, and Sean Ryan. Yeah. And then they draft a right guard who ends up being there for years. Sure. <laughs> a good prediction. I, I do think Nyman is a good but not great player. And you, you could do yourself a lot of harm if you overpay him. Um, he uh, he is he does get beat fairly regularly and you know, there's something to be said for his lack of versatility too. Not that Bakhtiari, you know, is anything other than a left tackle, but the Packers like versatile guys, and Nyman's ability to only play tackle has has hurt him a lot over his Packer tenure in terms of getting him on the field. Have you seen enough to ascertain whether you think Bakhtiari is more than just a good player going <laughs> forward? Not yet. That's got to keep loading up at that spot. It may not matter with this contract. Like they may, you know, yeah. what, are, what are you going to do? You're paying them to be that guy. So. Might be the Elledge contract. It's very possible. <laughs> uh, oh, and so Dr. Hillbilly asks, assuming Bakhtiari can continue left tackle, what's the optimal O-line setup? I think we've kind of yeah, kind of gotten there. Well, um, optimal is is Jenkins inside, right, Tyler? Even sure. if you think he'll play outside. I don't. I don't know how I feel about Nyman playing at the right side. I don't think we've seen it enough. I'm okay playing Jenkins at right tackle. I just, Newman sucks. He sucks. I want him I, out. I, yeah. I, 
I know the argument I saw on Twitter today was that he's the most experienced because he's played 21 games. But I'm like, I've seen him for 21 games. Yeah. I don't, I don't want him anymore. I want him out. I would rather see. I want to see Tom, or I even want to see Sean Ryan. I, I, something that's going on. Like obviously, we don't know what's going on. Why he's not getting any. Uh, run or he's being a healthy scratch so that's bad vibes to me yeah um, but I do want to see Zach Tom I loved watching him at Wake Forest yeah I'll, Tom's good he should be playing absolutely speaking of surprising healthy scratches really surprised Samori Tour did not get oh <laughs> did not get a spot on the 48 I mean just for this week with with Watson and and Watkins both out I don't know man yeah as long as Winfrey's around it's it's just a, a tough road to hoe there for Samari he needs more injuries to get on the team uh, he's just not that good a special teams player he's actually a good sure. returner like he's okay. they, the the only thing that kind of bothers me is I do think he's a better returner than Amari Rogers is um I think he's a better prospect about it uh he did a good job of, of it but he does he has one less year of experience and he's a seventh round pick so that and given that he's not a gunner and not a special teams guy He's just not going to be there. So he makes the original 53 because maybe a long, long term and, and probably because they figured Jawan Winfrey is not going to get claimed, whereas tour might have. I, I don't know. It feels like it feels like they, they prefer Winfrey in almost every situation in 2022 than over Samori tour. Certainly but, Aaron Rodgers does. He won't stop throwing to the loser. Uh, okay, so Dr. Hillbilly's related question was how the use of Elton this season moving inside to guard if Yash moves to right tackle, for example, impacts <laughs> any contract extension the Packers have in mind for him. Uh, we've kind of talked about that. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, bottom line is this. Elton wants to play tackle and get paid as a tackle, and if he's going to play guard, there needs to be some kind of assurances made or something like that, but it's going to be hard. He's probably going to play tackle. No matter what position he plays, he will get paid more than Quentin Nelson. <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> How's Quentin Nelson doing? Because I, I know there was some concern about the cold. He's line. good. He's fine. Well, the line is, from what I've watched, everyone's talking about the offensive line. A, their left tackle sucks. B, the biggest problem, I think, is just that they don't communicate protections at all. They just let free rushers go. And that's just a everyone getting on the same page thing. That's not a talent yeah. thing. So I think that can work itself out. Okay. All right. Jason Albert has a good one. Last year during the immunized vaxxed to do, I asked here in five years, who would be considered the bigger D bag, Arv or Rogers? Obviously, since then, Arv has taken a commanding lead and it all seems predestined. Yeah. But if we dissect the word D bag, does federal charges for stealing from the poor really fall under the rubric? It's for sure garbage human behavior, but is it D-bag behavior as we commonly understand the word? Rogers public breakups, ayahuasca, undercut Rogan and Mar hits. I'm, I'm reading this and it's not all making sense to me, but generally being the most annoying man on the planet really gives me pause. I still think Rogers can catch him in the race to become the most rancid X Packer quarterback by 2027. What are your thoughts? It's, it's Favre and it's not even close. Rogers is an annoying person for sure. And uh, there's this Favre thing where I, I still think there is some view of him that is, Oh, he's a dumb hillbilly who is, you know, a, a kind of, maybe an annoying person, but he maybe just got kind of talked into this or a, a part of it unknowing or some crap like that, but that's not true. Favre, first of all, is smarter than he lets on um, and did a lot of D-bag behavior when he was with the team that just wasn't as covered because it wasn't the internet age. Um, and, and, you know, Favre has, Favre has so much D-bag behavior being out on the town, um, doing crap like that. The whole Sturger thing, that's D-bag behavior, guys. That's like, 
quintessential and now is like you know embezzling money from um from poor people to try and build a volleyball like this is very bad it's far it's not even close rogers is an annoying person but Favre is way 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 worse by leaps and bounds yeah is he doing gonna do jail time is like this a jail time potential punishment yes i think i think so yeah it's going to require Good. federal investigators. It's going to have to come federally. So uh, because the state of Mississippi has given them a pass everywhere they, they look. Mm-hmm. So um, it's probably going to take a while. I, I don't I don't personally think it's ironclad necessarily, but I also have to think there's a lot more evidence to come as uh, the uh, the former Department of Human Services, John Davis, took a plea deal. So I'm guessing there's going to be more texts flooding the market, yep. uh, possibly interactions with Brett Favre, even though he wasn't kind of the primary point of contact. So. Uh, if they if they go after him or go after the ex governor, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be a, a massive massive spectacle, and I feel like that's where we're headed yep. a little bit. That's what? where discovery comes into place, right, Paul? Boom! Yeah. I took a law class. Discovery, <laughs> there you wow. go. Once the feds got involved, it definitely became likely that he's gonna do some time, and um, those texts are very really quite damning. Um, that's that's gonna just not play well with any kind of jury. They they have a lot of leverage over everybody that they have evidence on so far. It's just a matter of who turns on who. And, um, you know, they already have somebody who has done that. It appears it, it's not looking good for Brett. Uh, relative sort of on the same vein as the, uh, the two quarterbacks with tablets from earlier, <laughs> Brett Favre getting in trouble for texts, having it tarnish his reputation entirely <laughs> <laughs> and not having it be the one to Jen Sturger is, uh, is something that's going to require some unpacking. Yep. I think that might be a, <laughs> A timing, society, a lot, of, a lot of things wrapped up into that. All right, Flaley Joel Osment says, the Lewis fumble in the playoffs and Jones this past weekend both seemed to kill the offense entirely. Why? Saying it's a morale issue sounds like witchcraft, given more than half the game left to play. Why did the Packers seem unable to make in-game adjustments offensively? Uh, in this case, I think it was more coincident. So it's bad they didn't score, but I think Tampa had them figured out and just needed a little more time to make their adjustments. Um, and Aaron just didn't adjust back. They, they are not great at this. Like when they get down, they don't come back very easily. Um, LaFleur's game plans don't seem to change enough, especially on the road, but Aaron does have some kryptonite and they figured it out and he is not good at, uh, at, at pushing on certain weak points. He prefers to do his Aaron stuff. And once they sort of figured out where to put people, he, he did not adjust well. I think elderly Aaron is not good at this. I think it's at most mostly a him problem because there were opportunities in the second half to still score some points, and he missed them. You could, I think you can also make the argument that um, the book's a bit more constricted with so many new faces, especially rookies, Yeah, um, and that'll take some time as well. Tim Brown says, can you explain how expected points added works and how would you graph them to help fans understand what you're trying to show? <laughs> All right. You wrote the book. You want me to do this one? Oh, no, I, no, I have no idea. Right. I wrote a book and I mentioned it in the book. And I was like, I really want to know how this gets calculated. But uh, I have a deadline to meet. So I'm gonna <laughs> just so it, it is a model. And it EPA is not necessarily going to be consistent from place to place. Um, most most EPA models you see are based on the NFL Fast Scraper model um, that populates when you use R, but that's all you don't need to know. Here's what you need to know. Um, we have a whole ton of data about 
where people are on the field for thousands of NFL games and what happened after that. So we can crunch those numbers, literally. We can go back as far as you want. Um, usually we, when we do big stats like this, we go back three or four years just because you want the offensive environment to be somewhat similar and you want similar players playing and you want similar you know, defensive schemes. But we literally take all the plays that have been run for the last three or four years and put, dump into a big database like, okay, this team was on the 40-yard line with the ball on second and five with nine minutes left. Did they score? Did they not score? How many points did they score? And then add up all similar situations and then get an average of what the points, well, you know, how many points on average a team scored in that situation. Um, and then the way EPA, the added part works is, all right, you had the ball in this situation and you ran a play. After the play, did your situation improve? Are you now expected to score more points than you were when the play started? Or did your situation get worse? Are you now expected to score fewer points than when your situation started? If you throw an incomplete pass, you've lost a down, so it will be less likely that you'll score points. If you gain 15 yards, you pick up a first down and a bunch of yards. It's now much more likely that you'll score points. And so since we have all of that historical data and we know approximately how many points each situation dictates, we can tell approximately how many points you gained you know decimal points were the points by doing those actions so that's really it it's based on a huge data set of prior teams doing things uh you know there's a model in there there's some approximations but that's what's used for it and as time goes on it'll change because the offensive environments will change but uh that epa is fundamentally based on history and it's just a history of okay you're here all the teams that were here in the situation scored x now you ran a play um, now your situation is different. Um, we know that in the, in the past, uh, those teams scored Y. What's the difference? That's it. I, I think Paul should have wrote this book, man. <laughs> <laughs> I blacked out for that. Yako Gomak asks, <laughs> so after the Bears game, I thought that the Jones-Dillon running split was strategic, meaning Jones got the design explosive plays when they needed them, and Dillon got the dirty work short yards uh, to pound the defense and keep them honest. Then at the end, Dylan was called on and he broke the defense with a bigger yardage to close out the game. But after the Bucks game, it looks like maybe he just isn't as effective. Like you said, after the Bears game, indecisive behind the line and not hitting the holes. Which is it and can it be both? So early, I think there's a couple things going on with Dylan. One is um, somebody at Acme Packing Company, um, I don't remember who, did look at his splits in situations. And Dylan is getting more carries in more likely run situations. So he is getting tougher assignments. That does have an impact. Um, but that being said, uh, I, I do think he has been worse despite that. Some of his extra work is, I think he actually still has more carries than Jones, is actually based on Jones being so explosive that he needs a break once in a while. And when, when basically every Jones 15 yard run, means two carries for Dylan while he recovers from the 15-yard run. So part of it's that. Um, so it's partly strategic, but it's partially just workload-based and um, and Aaron needing to get himself fresh again while a couple more plays happen. Um, the other thing that's weird, um, we all at Acme Packing Company had assumed that Dylan was not doing well out of shotgun um, you know, options or draws or whatever you want to call them, and it was doing better from under center. That's not the case. He's not doing great from either, but he's averaging like 3.2 yards from under center and like 4.1 from shotgun. So um, he has not been as effective. Jones has just been a better player. And 
don't know if it's something to do with Dylan himself, if he's taken too much punishment early or anything like that. Um, but uh, there's definitely now a bigger split between who's effective and who's not. The man had a winning this offseason. He Maybe did. It just takes some time to get back. Yeah. Hey, nothing against him. I love that guy. That guy should be a Packer for life, I think. Uh, I, I, yeah, I love him, too. I will say if you spend too much time in Door County, it's not good for being in shape. So. Oh, yep. <laughs> lobster boils and goats on the roof and whatnot. By the way, uh, my first plug of the night, if you have a chance, read Lori Nichols column at JSonline.com. She basically asked AJ Dillon to give her like a travel log of her favorite places in Door County. And there's a whole it's great. It's long. It's, it's really so good. Fun. It's it, awesome. That's what made yeah. me think of it, actually. <laughs> so Good. Good plug timing. It's really good. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, PJ Wessels. Uh, says, did the Bucks squash the pony package, or is it just not good? Tyler, you want this one, or I can? I I like the idea of a lot that they can do out of it, but it's so predictable right now. Yeah, that's it. Like the their base play is we're gonna run pre snap motion. We call it an arts little fly. Um, so T fly, and then you run an inside zone with AJ, or you throw a swing pass or a bubble screen, and. Those are two pretty easy plays to defend, and they're very predictable every time they do it. Yep. So Pony's kind of unique for them, but they don't do anything interesting out of it. Yep, exactly. Now I have Genuine's Pony in my head, which <laughs> is a wonderful thing. Tyler doesn't probably know that song. It's before his time. The um, one... Oh, I know Genuine. Okay. Very good. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's like saying someone wouldn't know Return of the Mac. Everyone knows Return of the Mac. It doesn't matter when I'm the greatest song ever made. Yes, correct. <laughs> Absolutely true. Completely, completely true. Uh, speaking of packages that begin with P, we should point out that Penny, our our Penny description last week, uh, took some criticism. It was, it was. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but Matub isn't here, and I feel like I can do that. But uh, it sounds like <laughs> sounds like we didn't get the like bones of Penny wrong. Just maybe how the Packers use Penny. So uh, anyway, I'm not speaking apologies. on this. It's not my wheelhouse yeah. for, for for Matt's uh, defense. He, he does claim that his description was the correct Wade Phillips description, but not how the Packers run it. But whatever. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just a bachelor. Patrick Detmer says, after hearing Rogers talk on McAfee last week about how we use words and labels to create biases <laughs> against certain plants. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, words are spells. Words, words are, are spells, spells, JR. I do want <laughs> well, do I I'm I'm a warlock then. I'm in the business of slinging words. Yep. In fact, all of us are to some degree. I mean, you wrote a book, so words are spells and you wrote a whole tome of them. I do wonder, have we built up such a bias against poison ivy? After all, isn't it really just a plant with certain rash-inducing properties whose seeds are still a valuable source of food for many birds? I mean, that's a damn good point, Patrick Detmer. It's not, though, because <laughs> poison ivy is poisonous to us, and so it's an accurate description. So, yeah. Poison ivy I mean, sucks, by the way. It's awful. Why are we putting ourselves in the center of the ecosystem? It's not poisonous to everyone. Therefore, is it really poisonous? I mean, it, it, to the extent... Why are these called keys, man? If you're conversing with a lot of like, birds, which you can, because bird, there are birds that can talk. So that's I possible. guarantee you Aaron Rodgers has communicated yeah. with birds. I guarantee that's also true. Um, So that was good. Tom Haight, uh, I like that. New, new patron, Tom Haight. Tom well, Haight, welcome to the show. Uh, are, are the state of current and former Packers brains the strongest argument for not letting your kids play football? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's, um, I think we're talking about the quarterbacks here, guys. I think so too. 
I would just like to emphatically say that I think the game, I'm surprised at how much safer they make the game as far as contact and contact periods and regulations and rules about how much we hit each other in the noggin. That's in the good. Milwaukee area, there's a there's a fairly, I would say, storied program at Cudahy High School that just had to cut the rest of its season. Uh, Cudahy hasn't been great for for actually a couple decades now, but but John Navarre, former Michigan quarterback, oh, NFL yeah. quarterback, went there once upon a time. Uh, they've had championship caliber teams in the past in the in the 90s and whatnot. And they they just had to cancel the rest of their schedule. That's not that's that's kind of a growing thing in the state of Wisconsin. There's a lot of uh, we, we now have eight man football in a lot of places, not a lot of schools that can't field 11 man teams, smaller schools, uh, but it's creeping up. It's always been a problem in the city. And uh, I would bet that just overall participation is is way, way down. And you're kind of starting to see the see that happen. I don't know if that's a, a, an issue with safety. It's probably more about resources. And I mean, it, there could be a lot of things, but uh, but it's interesting. I, I, I wonder if this will lead into more discussion about that and whether or not you've just got more and more families that are choosing not to have their kids play football. I yeah. don't know. I mean, uh, it's. It, frankly just a fundamentally dangerous game it it is yeah. you're running at high speeds into people wearing armor and um I, I i don't think that my kids are not really built for football regardless but i'm not <laughs> i'm not sure i would have let them play honestly um it's just it's a big risk for i mean my kids aren't going pro so there was never a chance of that and i don't know that there's that much reward when there's other sports they could be doing I know Tom Hayden didn't uh, intend for this to become serious, so yeah. apologies to the question. Yes, the quarterbacks have tapioca brain. Yeah, sorry, Tyler. I, I mean, Favre is not a a shining example of I think taking too many hits. Honestly, that's I think true. Aaron, who knows? <laughs> it's hard for me to give an unbiased answer at this point, um, but I will say I think with my kids, if they are playing coming up, I would let them play flag football and things like that to get started. Yeah. All right, moving on to Twitter questions. Wherefore art thou Romeo Dobbs? Uh, I believe this is Matthew Keating. Uh, we're, with about five minutes left and in pretty solid field goal range, needing 10 to tie, my gut was telling me that the Giants should have kicked a field goal to leave <laughs> as much time as possible. Guts are dumb, mine especially. So what does the math say in a situation like that? So didn't, didn't watch that game. It was bad. <laughs> I can opine on this one a little bit. It and, uh, So situations will make a lot of difference in what you decide to do here. But the fundamental thing you have to remember is this. Uh, tying isn't as good as winning. And so if you do the field, if you eschew a chance at a touchdown for a field goal, and then, you know, to save time, do the onside kick, whatever you need to do, um, the best you're going to do, unless you go for two, which you could, is then go to overtime and have only a 50% chance of winning. If, if you're that far down the field already, um, it might be your best chance to score a touchdown, and um, you sh one teams screw this up a lot because they just take too much time. Um, they they get a little cavalier about how much they're leaving left for their second drive when they do need to get the field goal. Um, and that's a problem that NFL teams seem to have. Um, but unless you're very very low on time and you're going to just need like you know one play onside kick hail mary. You can throw a Hail Mary farther than you can kick a field goal. That's the only situation that makes sense. With three minutes left in the game, now you want the touchdown. You, you should go for that. You should you know, go fast, get your touchdown, um, because you might not get back there. And then you also have a chance to win the game if you get the ball back with enough time, too. So um, Overtime matters a lot because it cuts the odds of everything else you do in half. I wonder if we have enough data since the sort of the modern version of overtime 
to know if there's any advantage to being a home or away team. And if it truly is 50, 50, I get the feeling it probably is, but uh, I guess I, now that I think about it, I'd be kind of curious to know if, uh, you know, if you can, if you can assess advantage, like, like there probably are some teams that think they have a better than 50% chance if they get to overtime, yeah. if they can just get it there. Maybe so. I'm not actually up on what the modern overtime stats are. Uh, I know that, um, Sudden death was actually a 50-50 until they changed kickoffs, and then it became slightly in favor of, so I don't know. Sure. College is not fair at all. Um, college is uh, college favors heavily the team that goes second first. Sure, well, that makes sense. Yeah. You want to win that coin toss, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Jonathan Deal says, uh, is there a statistical analysis on how to measure aggressive play calling? And if so, can we look at the Matt LaFleur Packers <laughs> and how aggressively they are pre and post turnovers in games like this in last year's playoff game against San Francisco? Not that, not with that specificity. Uh, if you do want to see aggressiveness stats, Next Gen Stats does actually track that. Um, I think for quarterbacks, which I'm quickly, yes, they have, they have aggressiveness percentage for quarterbacks, but it's not situation specific. Don't have splits on it. Somebody has that data. Uh, somebody with cooler access to next gen data actually could do that, but that person is not me. Uh, I do want to mention that Justin Fields aggressiveness index percentage currently is blank. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but he has been so bad that he's missing a denominator. So, yeah. Incredible. Uh, is that what you're referring to? And you put this chart into uh no, I just wanted the... I just wanted to have stats available for Patriot offensive line play. So that's all that's there. Oh god. Sometimes got it, got there's it. notes at the end that you guys never see. You just noticed it this week. Yeah. Well, there was there there was a <laughs> chart that that's talked about like aggressive good, aggressive bad, you know, conservative good, conservative bad, and Justin Fields was very much wherever I don't quite remember how the quadrants lined up, but he was as bad as that. He was alignment chart it's about chaotic chaotic good that's exactly what it was going for yes (laughs) yes uh that's it guys that's all the questions we have this week yeah um all right cool before we leave um jr do you have anything to plug besides laurie's excellent piece yeah well so i did look back at all the recent goal line stands that the packers have made to win games you know the final red zone stands in the final you know for the final plays of the game essentially and uh just went back in time got got as far back as i was going to do back to the uh, that the super bowl run in 96 and decided i want to go back one more year to get a nancy yeah, yancy thick pin drop in oh, the end zone into the uh into the equation <laughs> a great moment bless yancy uh yeah christmas eve miracle in 1995 that got the packers a their first division title in quite some time so uh, so that was, that was kind of fun. Um, that's a jsonline.com and I, <laughs> it's not happy stuff, but, uh, actually had probably the best week I've ever had at the Milwaukee journal Sentinel in terms of traffic writing about the Netflix series about Jeffrey Dahmer, um, which, uh, which is apparently catching on and doing very well. And, uh, wrote some things about like what was fact versus fiction puts, put just some information about the, the lot, a lot of a lot of interest in the in that case right now. It's 31 years old. The, the story. It's gross. It's awful. Yep. There's not ugh, not a lot redeeming about it. Not a lot that I guess would really, in my estimation, fit into the the, the ideal vein of true crime. It's it's more. It's it's a lot more salacious and gross and awful than that. But yeah. uh, but people are watching that show. So uh, I took it upon myself to read up on it. Did, did some a ton of research. Watched the show, and uh, it's it's been a, it's been a good time. A good week, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad for your traffic, but I'm I'm never yeah. watching that thing. Good for the traffic, bad for the soul. Yeah, Tyler, how about you? I I think I've plugged the book enough. <laughs> um, Tyler Brook uh, wrote a book. 
There we go. Um, Carmel Greyhounds are four and two. We got a big matchup on Friday against seventh ranked Ben Davis, who's also four and two. So a nice little top 10 matchup in the state. Three more games to go, and then we're off to the tournament. Um, Excited. Really proud of these kids. Uh, I think things are coming together. Don't want to jinx us, but um, four straight wins after starting 0-2. Very excited about where we go. Good luck. Let's go. All right. I've got... Uh, for me, I've got my Shepherd Express review up um, tomorrow, and I am writing on the prevent defense and uh, why it doesn't work well in terms of win percentage added. Um, starting tomorrow, an idea that came from John Judge the other day, because if you are giving up yards for time, it should show up in win percentage, and if it doesn't, then it's a stupid idea. And uh, then for later in the week, I'm also writing on air yards and Aaron needing more of them. So um, keep an eye out for those. Check those out. And also, we'll, of course, have the mini-pod preview of the Patriots uh, later this week as well. Uh, the Tampa Bay one was was real good, if I do say so myself. So try and, try and keep that up. Um, I, I think the Patriots are interesting. I pay more attention to them than a lot of other non-NFC North teams just because Bill is such a football savant, but he is slowly getting passed by by um, every, everybody having databases and other savants. So they're, they're fun. Um, anyway. That'll do it for us. Uh, we will be back next week. And enjoy the game.